and welcome to The Runs, the podcast in which we discuss runs of comic books. I am your host, Ryan Alexander Tanner, and with me this week is Joshua Silverstein, here to talk about the series Invincible, which is uh, kind of broke the format of the show, but we'll get to that in a second. Most of you are already familiar with Joshua Silverstein, but I'll introduce him nonetheless. Joshua Silverstein is an actor, a, a comic, a writer, a beatboxer, an educator. He was the in-house beatboxer for the TNT slash TBS series Drop the Mic. He's a professional beatboxer. That's true. Um, yeah. And he recently appeared on the reality TV series Home Sweet Home, in which his multiracial Jewish family swapped homes with the whitest family in America, <laughs> ending racism. <laughs> So that was really heartwarming. That was beautiful. I don't know if you want to talk more about that. I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Oh, this is going to get real bad real fast in that case. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was interesting because it's like you guys just lived in each other's houses. That was how you came to understand each other better. I thought it was very strange. I love I love you so much, and I love that I understand your humor. And I and I want to say that um, there is a version of that show that exist that maybe the world will see one day when NBC decides to like be a little more brave mm-hmm. and I think what most people saw was the the really you know we don't want to piss anybody off version hmm. uh, so like the they left out the wife swapping part or they left out the orgy you know they left out the the whole thing which which was a lot of challenging conversations i'll say this um the family that stayed in our home they ended up talking to my mom on the show yeah and that conversation was two hours long Uh uh-huh and so you got the most safest version of that conversation cutting out all the really challenging bits and hard where they were like why are you guys so mad what are you so (laughs) mad about (laughs) you know i want to say i don't know how you know who cares? So the so the guy that that the, the, the you know the, the the patriarch on the in the family um, cried. Uh-huh. He cried because you know they didn't know that they didn't know the harsh reality of slavery, which was in slavery your souls owned. You know, and so you know from the from the LDS faith, the soul is a big deal. So the yeah. fact that like. There was this institution that still exists where people's souls didn't belong to them. Really shook them. And so you don't see that on TV. He just didn't know. Well, we can talk about this. I, we'll talk about this at a, a different time. Cause it's I'm, a longer conversation. Right? Anyway, you're a, a comedic actor, performer, beatboxer, and you've been on television in several different... For, it's usually comics artists and writers on this show, so it's a slight deviation. But um, <laughs> anyway, that's who you... I think we've just learned a lot about who you are, which is good. Thanks, man. That's what the audience wanted. And today we're here to talk about the series Invincible. Uh, Invincible is an image comics series created by Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker, uh, and then later illustrated by Ryan Otley. It's a coming-of-age superhero story. It debuted in 2003. And it ran for 144 issues before wrapping up. So it breaks the format of the series because I, I spent a lot of time thinking, like, what is a run? And I really got kind of rigid about the idea that it would be uh, one artist, one writer, like a, a creative team's run. 
Okay. Whereas this, I floated ideas with you, and you wanted to do the, you want to do this or The Walking Dead, both which are Robert Kirkman runs. Uh, right. So that's consistent, but this will probably be the only thing that has not the consistent artist. But also, it's like the point of this is just to talk about comic books, so it's not that big a deal. Well, you know, and it, and I think I see that. I guess like a run would be yeah, like a a a, a chunk of a longer running title that that like. People say the uh, the Kevin Smith run on Daredevil, right, stuff right. like that. You could also say though that uh, you know Robert Kirkman did a 144 issue run of Invincible. Also, sure. m- this series is probably most famous for being Robert Kirkman's less successful series, which is The Walking <laughs> Dead. So this was so I floated some ideas with you. I mean, we're gonna have yeah. an interesting exchange over this now. Um, well, so why did you want to talk about this series? This was your idea. This was your okay, idea, so not mine. This is, this is my fault. So I'll, I'll own up to this. So my relationship with comics is a strange one in that the first comics I ever read as a child were the Harvey comics. Oh, yeah. So Casper, Hot Stuff, um, Richie Rich, Baby Huey, uh, and then later, like, Tom and Jerry. Like, that, that was my introduction because... My father specifically was very kind of his way or the highway. And so there wasn't any violence in our household, <laughs> unless, of course, he was the one being violent. There wasn't any like, you know, there wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't watch, uh, I wasn't watching G.I. Joe, I wasn't watching He-Man, I wasn't, I knew about it, but I wasn't allowed to engage in it. Mm-hmm. And so while I was very much connected to Batman because I love bats. I didn't read Batman. That's why you're connected to Batman? <laughs> That's a longer... So I, yeah, well, so I, my favorite animal is a bat. Uh, I, I decided that it would be that when I was in second grade. Okay. Obviously, I knew who Batman was, and I, I'd grown up watching the Adam West. All right, so you're, you're, you're seven years old so far in this explanation. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. then what so, happened? So, so I didn't... I didn't read uh, Teen Titans. I didn't read um, uh, Daredevil. I didn't read X Men until I became friends as a as a twenty year old with a bunch of poetry nerds. Yeah, and they were like comic book junkies. Yeah, and 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 I, and I remember going to my friend's house and going like, "Oh, you've got you know the whole first run of Teen Titans, and oh, you've got." You know the ultimate Fantastic Four, uh, and so like the ultimate lines; those were kind of my first. My, I'm buying these myself. I'm yeah. going to the store every day. Um, the the first DC stuff I read was was Teen Titans, and so all this is happening. And then I stumble upon Kirkman, and I'm you know, and I pick up um, uh, Powers, right? And I pick up. Uh, Invincible and Invincible was new and so it was the first it was the first comic I ever read that was new in that moment that everyone was kind of discovering at the same time that I was discovering mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and so I wasn't like catching up to other people mm-hmm. I was jumping into this from the, from the from the day one and I went to art school and I remember reading this book, Understanding Comics. Oh yeah, and and which is an amazing book. And it felt like that. Like it felt like he, this was the writer who was really taking the medium of comic book storytelling and playing with it. You know, like you look at characters like Deadpool and the Joker who get meta. 
within their various um, universes. This felt like that. This hmm. felt like this is going to be a this is going to be a story that's fully aware of its comic bookness. Mm-hmm. So you have stuff in it that that is almost commentary on comic book culture. And I thought as I was becoming more and more immersed in it, I thought this was kind of cool because here was a character in this book who was coming of age while I was coming of age into comic book storytelling while the writer was commenting on all of that. So it was very like me in a moment. So, so it stuck. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, because for me, uh, I read this for the first time a couple years ago, just cause I'm always looking for like comics to read before I go to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't really get into it. If I'm being honest, I, I don't love this series. Um, yeah. And when we were throwing, we were kind of kicking back series, that was interesting to me because we're the same age. Right. We're both very young men, uh, (laughs) aging gracefully. And uh, this was from, you know, when I was in art school, (laughs) I, because I grew up on comics, you know, I started reading comics when I was basically learning how to read. I had older brothers and blah, blah, blah. So it was interesting because everything you were listing was kind of the stuff that was coming out as I was in college and I was kind of really losing interest in mainstream comics. Mm -hmm. And I was was like, yeah, Joshua's stuff is all like our college age era. Yeah. So I was like, you must have kind of gotten into it at that point. I didn't know the whole backstory about your... About your yeah, uh, yeah, it's so funny. I I saw I've never been to Comic Con. Oh yeah, and and so um, I remember uh, I, I was just I was I I didn't have I don't have siblings, and so any kind of pop culture stuff I was always kind of catching up to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, I remember my cousin, my only cousin on my father's side, <clears throat> uh, who has since passed away, um, was about it's about was about ten. 13 years older than me was like, I'm going to take my baby cousin to the comic book store. Mm-hmm. And so we go to Golden Apple, which is oh, like yeah. LA's famous comic book store. I used to go to Golden Apple when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go and he's like, let's get these comics. And I'm like, all right, hot stuff, Casper. And he's like, <laughs> oh, you're, you're that guy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. You know? And so it, it wasn't, I didn't fall in love with them because I mean, those stories are not, they're, they're comics in that, there's no through line. They're one-offs. You know, they're not serial. So yeah. Um, and so for me, I had I I knew who all these characters were, and I and I loved them from afar. You know, because I obviously grew up watching the X Men cartoon oh, show okay. on Fox. Thought it was awesome. I knew friends who collected the cards, um, and so I loved the Ultimate line because. Mm-hmm. It was the easiest way to get into all that stuff. Like yeah, that was the point Iron of it. Man, yeah. Ultimate, you know, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four, Ultimate, Ultimates. Like, mm-hmm. it was a cool way of, like, here's kind of everything without you having to go back and read all the. And I also loved the art. Like, it was very modern and updated for me. So mm-hmm. it matched where I was in my life with what I was looking at in, in other art mediums. But yeah, it was definitely like college years comics. Yeah, so I thought this would be really tedious to listen to if it was me being a comics nerd at you of like, oh, well, I read, you know, um, yeah, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get into I'll, I'll try to summarize succinctly, though, why, because I read Walking Dead at some point also and okay. just couldn't get into it. 
Um, okay. And again, you know, and there's things I enjoy about this too. We're going to go through them, and I'm not just going to like dunk on it for an hour while you say you no, like I it. Lo- I love it. <laughs> Please, but um, I mean, I do think it's a little bit. I mean, that comes up a lot in this podcast series of like, did you have to be there at the time? You know, and the sort of mm. like SNL is best when you're 12. Everyone's SNL was best <laughs> with this cast, and it's always when they were 12. Um, sure. So it does have a little bit of an element for that, but also I can appreciate, you know. Uh, more contemporary comics but to yeah. me the issue with Robert Kirkman stuff yeah. and is that okay so I started reading someone had a big old book of the walking dead and they loaned it to me so okay right. I said finally I'm going to read this this thing's a phenomenon I should read it I like genre comics Yeah. so it was like maybe the second or third time they like went to a new location they're always going somewhere else right things right. go bad and so then they get to like a farm or something and they're like alright this is Jesse and Joey and Lurleen and Sarah and Andy and Jimmy they're like okay cool a bunch of characters and then like right. four issues later zombies show up and they're like, oh, no, Jesse got eaten by a zombie. It's like a full page, you know, it's like a big surprise. Because he's good right. about, like, killing major characters and things like that, you know. He's right. good at the curveball. And I was like, who is that? Right. Because this is my thing with Kirkman is, like, I don't feel like there's anything to really... Atta- there's nothing nuanced or interesting about any characters Interesting. And, and that to me prevents because it's like if you look at it as like a story outline, like right. when I lo- when I look at the outline of the events of these twelve issues, it seems like the premise is interesting. Yeah. It's like a kid whose dad's a superhero, his powers come in, and then essentially his dad turns out to be a super villain. That's like right. where we're going. To that. That's really interesting. And even though I wasn't compelled to read more, I was like I would be interested to know where that goes but it's like for example what is it atom eve is the right. sort of yeah. quasi love interest and i'm like name one characteristic of that character interesting she interesting. has no personality same with the mom like the mom yeah. has no yeah. personality other than she's sort of blasé in response Gloria, to, right that's her name Gloria. i don't remember i can't remember her name yeah <laughs> i want to talk about this this is so great okay so, so i'm gonna oh my god how do we okay so um you you were like read the twelve issues again. I, so the funny thing is, I had just reread the whole series all over again. Oh, okay. Maybe like during the pandemic, so not too long ago. Um, same with Walking Dead. I finally I read the whole thing all over again. Um, my next bulk is gonna do. I'm gonna do Powers, the whole run all okay. over again. Um, so you know, again, like I, Superman wasn't. They Superman was interesting in theory. Right, like he's an alien, mm-hmm. and and there's a, a really cool metaphor there, um, and but they but I felt like not until later did they really kind of get make him complicated, and so I really loved you know I I love a lot of the one offs they they do like I love Red Sun which mm-hmm. is which is kind of new, um, and I've read more DC stuff. And Marvel stuff than anything else probably in my life as a comic book reader, but I feel like with Invincible, a lot of the stuff is not said, and I think what Kirkman mm. does well for me is he leaves a lot of information in between the page turn, which kind of goes back to the Understanding Comics book, which mm-hmm. is you know. 
a lot of writers will let will let you kind of fill in the blank, which is kind of why you have these moments where certain movies that are that are from based on comic books don't live up because you as the reader have created a whole thing mm. that wasn't on the page and the film isn't you know representing that. And so when it comes to people like the mom, you know, there's something to be said for at the beginning of of you know issue 1, she doesn't have a lot of personality and I think it's because she's kind of just going through the motions. Like she's just kind of there. You know, I think in towards the end of the book, you 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 experience her realizing that that for most of her relationship with Nolan, you know, um, Omni Man, uh, she just rested on the fact that she's married to this superhero. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, he becomes he becomes you, you know he reveals that he's evil and wants to take over the planet. And she's like, well, what do I do now? And mm-hmm. then she becomes interesting because she has to find what her life's purpose is. And so what I like about Invincible is it really isn't just about him. It kind of it kind of starts off giving you these little seeds of this is where this show this story is going to go. For example, like okay, so it so in issue one, uh, Mark Grayson. Invincible is, uh, you know, doesn't have his powers yet, mm-hmm. and he's working at this burger joint, and he throws the trash away, and it launches across, you know, the sky, and then yeah. you don't see where that trash bag lands until issue eight, and I thought, ah. oh, that's cool. Do you like, see it in issue eight? I missed that. Everything. Yeah. So in issue eight, because I read trash issue eight, that he threw. Lands in lands in London. Oh, and so, I missed that. And so yeah, and so so it's cool. What the whole series is that trash bag becomes a whole centerpiece for a whole other story that's happening through the entire series. Mm. And so there's stuff like that that I think is cool. Like like William, who's Mark's best friend. Uh-huh. Um, he's there's this whole weird thing that happens when he goes to college and doing the whole tour, where his uh, he's he's weird about his name, right? Like he, like people yeah. want want to want to call him Bill, and he was like this man is William, and it kind of throws people off the wrong way, and it it's not done well because the the book is dated, um, and it's very it's through the lens of someone who's very heterosexual male, and you can kind of see that in, throughout the the series, but you find out later on that William is gay. And so he mm-hmm. comes out, and so you get this sense of like, oh, there was a lot of anxiety in him early on in the series. Um, so, so I felt like there's stuff like that. Like Eve has this, you know, awful relationship with um, Rex. Explode. She catches. So that him. was another one though, where like she's dating Rex, and I'm like, right. I I get based on basic positioning that she's supposed to be the love interest. Like, not based right. on any interaction of these characters. And then I, I had zero opinion whatsoever of Rexplode until they... Because he never even says or does anything. He's just kind of in the right. background. And then they break up, and then he's like, oh, I always thought that guy was kind of a jerk. And then he's sort of set up to be a jerk afterwards. But I was like, you right. didn't earn that. Like, you didn't mm. do any... There's no characterization. That was my... I, that was you my know, sense. I guess it... I guess. 
I guess you're right. I mean, it is. It's a slow start because, again, like, spoiler alert. Can I spoil things? That that part of the podcast. Can I spoil? Are it? you gonna go past issue twelve? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I'm so, I'm I'm probably the only person that hasn't read past issue twelve. So. So 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 Rex dies, right? And huh. Rex. You, so all these characters from from Mark to the mom and I'm, I'm awfully I'm forgetting her name which is very clearly like who she is in in, in, in the first 12 issues um, to uh, you know Williams Mark's best friend to the like there is a villain who you meet in the first 12 arcs and I think his name is like I can't remember but he evolved so everybody you meet yeah. There's no background characters. Everything eventually comes to the forefront. When you finally meet the Guardians of the Globe, which I thought was really funny because they're takes on the Justice League. Um, yes. Th- there's there's <laughs> yes, even this, like, there's the, there, yeah, there's this fish character. And the joke is that the fish yeah. character's got nothing to do. Kind of like Aquaman's kind of the joke of Justice League. Uh, even that character becomes important later on. Um, and, and what he represents. I mean, you know, and we can just disagree or whatever. I mean, I get that it's very, um, readable. I feel like the world building is good for the series. Like it does a good job of establishing this is a world of superheroes and, um, uh, the teams and these things. And, but, uh, it just felt like so lacking in stakes to anything because there was, a, it felt like a 22 year old writer wrote this, like a person that had read a lot of comic books and didn't have much <laughs> life experience wrote it is how it felt to me. <laughs> so, so, and I guess that's kind of why I like the book too, because to your point, it starts off, I guess what you're saying is it, it starts off shallow and insignificant and it slowly builds something. Look, when, you know, when, when. Uh, when they killed Jason Todd, right? Uh, it was a big deal in the, yeah, in the eighties, right? It was a big deal because it was the first, it was, it was kind of like you mentioned SNL. It was kind of like when people voted to not have Andy Kaufman back on the show, right? Mm -hmm. Like Andy Kaufman got voted off, voted off as being a guest, Mm -hmm. um, People voted to kill Jason Todd because he was such an unlikable. Yeah, I remember this, right? Yeah. He was an unlikable Robin. But it, but that moment didn't take any significance in comic book in the comic book um, zeitgeist until Jason Todd became the Red Hood, right? Like you, all of mean? a sudden, this character now has m- more significance to me because. Now he's got trauma, and now he's got a reason to be angry, and now he's now he's got this complicated relationship with Batman because, and now he's like, why haven't you killed the Joker? The Joker mm-hmm. basically killed me, you know. So, Invincible kind of felt like that, where it starts off, all these little seeds are planted. They don't really mean anything yet, and then, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, this is this is what he was setting up you know, eight issues before. Um, I just thought that was so cool because look, Hawk, um, Hawkeye dies in every book, right? And we just don't care. Like he's a, he's an expendable character. N- no one in the Invincible universe 
becomes expendable eventually. You know, eventually you're like, you're like, oh shit, that, that person's gone and they're not coming back, Mm -hmm. you know, and now I got this whole like emotional attachment to this person. Well, let's go through the issues. We got a lot to get through. Okay. Let's do it. So it it starts kind of a cold open. He's throwing a guy with a bomb attached to him. Guy explodes. Then it goes back to four months earlier. He's sitting on the toilet, which is kind of a fun kind of intro to this guy. Right. It's sort of a day in the life. We see on TV that there's a, you know, there's like super heroics happening in the world. He goes to school and he goes to his job and then his powers kick in. And we see his dad is like a Superman sort of a guy. You're missing a a, a very important point, which is he goes to Reginald Bell Johnson High School. Oh, I'm sorry. I was waiting for when they introduced that because, yes, that is important to me as well. (laughs) Yeah, which is, and also, like, the principal's name is, like, something Winslow. And you're like, come on, this is... Yeah, no, I like that. I'm definitely the target age for that. But so, again, though, I feel like that's a representation of what... I don't feel like there's anything... It didn't feel like there's any... It felt so, like... Like that, the, the what are they called? The Justice League in this? That they're all analogs of the Justice League? It felt so like not... Uh, the, glo- the Guardians of the globe. the globe. It felt so like not serious or something. Like that there weren't any stakes in it. It's like all just like a bunch of... Tr- so I think it's funny yeah. and, you know, I like Reginald Bell Johnson or whatever. So I think it's funny that that is the name of the school, but it's also like an indication sure. of like the lack of taking itself seriously in this where I didn't feel like anything, nothing felt like it mattered to me as I was reading this. Well, you know, volume one is called family matters, right? Ah, I didn't know that, but yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong, right? Like, so you're right. So, so episode issue, issue one, you meet Omni man, uh, you meet the defenders of the of uh, Omni Man, who is who is uh, quote the defender of democracy. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and you meet. Uh, he has this backstory where he's a Voltamite, right? And they've come to kind of like make the world, the universe, a better place. Um, you know, you meet the best friend, who's kind of this like egomaniac uh, on steroids, you know, like loves the ladies kind of thing, like overdoing the uh, heterosexual normative stuff. Um, And then like nothing really happens until issue three. So the second issue, well, the second issue is his dad telling him that he's from this planet. The only thing I thought was was excellent in all this, maybe not the only thing, but it's coming to mind because I'm <laughs> right here, but that we get the dad yeah. telling the son his origin story in issue two. We're from, from this planet and da-da-da-da-da. And then we revisit that in, I think, issue 11, and we get the kind of true story. So right. it's the same like page layouts and everything, but it's like... Slightly yeah. altered images, and it's the you know unreliable narrator thing of like here's now actually the true story how it mirrors it, but also you see the differences. Right. That I thought was well, that was good comic storytelling. Well, and in terms of good comic storytelling, like I think that it's um, it's like a good um, a good amount of stuff happens per issue, and there's a it's got a nice right. clip to it. Like I get. I'm not baffled why people like this. I don't think people are wrong to like it or anything. Like, like I'm not on a crusade against this. I just, for me personally, sure. the thing that makes me become personally invested in reading something was not present in this, I would say. 
But yeah, so in the second issue, then he fights these okay. blue these blue guys, and then the what is it, the Teen Team or something show up? The twins. Yeah, they're, 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 well, that's the thing too. Like they're the twins, and we don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and and, and we don't know what they're doing for the full twelve issues. We just mm-hmm. don't know what they're. They don't. They they they're obviously smart. They're obviously sciency. They're obviously criminals. But but what their purpose is, we just have no idea. And that again, this was revealed much much later. In the yeah. Series. Um. Yeah. So then he meets the teen team and. Then what turns out one of them goes to school with him. She's Adam Eve, right? Is her name right? Yeah, Adam Eve. Correct. And then uh, he's he joins the teen team, or yeah, he starts hanging um, out with them. He 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 doesn't join. He's he's oh. because because he's still kind of figuring out what it means to be a superhero and what it means to have all these all these powers, um, what it means to have a secret identity. I mean, there's this whole thing also in issue one where he's he discovers he has powers. And he his he goes immediately because he's grown up in his father's shadow, mm-hmm. watching his father be this hero. And his father has told him, you know, which we learn later on, like years ago, like, hey, I'm from this planet. Uh, you know, you're going to develop these superpowers probably very soon. And they don't happen, which I always thought as the as a kid who has has dreamed of one day being able to take flight mm-hmm. that what a crazy mind screw that must be to be like my dad's a superhero he's gonna he's, he's told me that I'm gonna one day develop superhero powers and it never happens mm-hmm. and I live in a world with superpowers with people who have superpowers and I I it's supposed to be in my blood like just the anxiety on a day-to-day basis of what that must mean for someone, I thought was really interesting. And so but we don't it, we don't um, see that. <laughs> that's well, you don't see it, but it's, but I guess that's the thing that that I did with the comic book, which 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 is maybe what you're not supposed to do, but I did it anyway. Which I I inferred, I implied all yeah. these emotions. It seems like that, you're. You're projecting. You're projecting a lot of subtext. Is why you like this series so much. <laughs> I did. I did. But look. I'm, but here's the thing. I, I must have been right because all this stuff that I projected, he then verifies later on in the in the mm-hmm. series. So like for me, it was subtext. For me, you know, having him having him sitting there in certain panels not saying anything, I looked at as this dude's occupied with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at. You know, if I was to all of a sudden wake up with powers, what's the first thing I do? Well, I'm gonna go be like my dad. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see if I can do. Let me go punch some people. Um, and he does that, right? He fights these this dude in in a, in, in a in a giant like rock suit. Yeah. Um. You know, he foils this bank robbery, uh, and then his dad shows up and he's like, "What are you wearing?" And then they yeah. go. They go to his boy, who's the who's designs all his costumes, and uh, was his, I can't remember his name, but uh, but then you know, and there's an, again, there's some more like like behind the scenes stuff because they give Mark Grayson this other costume that was supposed to go to this dude named Black Samson, which I think is a is a is a commentary on um, 
all the black characters in the first 12 season 12 issues have black in their title mm-hmm. so there's like the dark knight and then there's like you know black samson mm-hmm. um and so black samson has lost his powers uh so the 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 um the costume guy was making a new costume for Black Samson, but gives it to Mark Grayson, and Mark Grayson's like, I don't like this, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, little seeds like, what's the, what's the relevance of this costume? Uh, and then he gets his costume, and he, and, he, and he is learning from his dad how to do it. And I can't remember what issue it is, but at some point, his dad's like, follow me, and he takes off. Mm-hmm. And you can there's a there's a illustration where Mark sees how fast he's going and can't keep up, and you go, oh, well this dude this this Omni Man, his powers are off the chart, mm-hmm. right? So okay, so that that takes us into like issue three. Yeah, so two, yeah, he meets the Guardians of the Globe, or he meets the teen team, and then there's like a human bomb who blows up at the mall at the end. And then that gets us right. into issue three, where, uh... And the human bomb, it's important, the human bomb is letting us know that the first thing we saw in the book is relevant. Right, because we still don't know who that person was that he threw in the, into the air. Actually. Yeah, I mean that again is such a trope of like you start at like a climactic <laughs> moment and then you go, "Oh, this takes me back to four months ago." And then you, ca- I mean, we catch up to it. I think an issue. F- I know I'm someone's listening to this and they're like, "This guy sucks. This guy's a jerk." <laughs> but about me. <laughs> um, but uh, and again, you know, I think if I had read this at a different time, you know, I maybe part of it's that if I hadn't read ten billion comic books before I read this. I don't know. Sure. But I mean, I know a lot of yeah. people who love this series and swear about it. I think it's very fun. It's a fun comic book and I can yeah. see how... That's another thing that comes up in this series too, I think is the difference between reading something monthly like waiting right. for the next issue. I can see how this was like a blast to get to that cliffhanger and then have to wait for the next issue. Oh, yeah. 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 And I was there every Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it's all a book, it's such a you can just kind of blast through it. There's no. It's like that with TV yeah. now too. But yeah, so the third issue is him and his dad kind of go on a mission. They fight aliens who are aging really fast. Yeah, these these are the interdimensional aliens that that which is deep because so so Nolan um, Omni Man, uh, you know they're fighting them and they end up they end up getting freaked out because they're not winning. And uh, they fight harder, and then all of a sudden they start to age because the environment, mm-hmm. and then they die. Mm-hmm. But and then they and and so they're they're fleeing, and they take off into their own dimension, and they take Nolan with him. Yeah, and so he gets sucked in, and uh, he, he's he's there. You find out later on in that issue at the dinner table, they're talking, and I. Look again, like not to discredit everything you're saying because that's your experience. But I also thought that it was so cool that at the table, every moment that we as the audience are having with this with the story so far is like like crazy shits happening. But every time there's the discussion of it at home, the mom is just like meh. 
There's nothing. Yeah. There's no no one. You know, she. There's something going on with her where she's like maybe she's dead inside, and maybe she's just kind of over it. And and so Nolan hasn't come back home, and she's kind of getting spooked. And then he comes home, and he's like, "I gotta shave." And he's like, yeah, I was there for eight months. And then that's it. And then the story keeps going. And I think, okay, so, so I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna to get real for a moment. Just for a moment. Okay. To, Finally. To, to, I know. I'm so shallow and like superficial. You saw so, this posturing. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I shaved and things changed for me. So I wanted uh, – so, um, so when I was in third grade, my parents – were divorcing. I was like 11 or 10, I think, uh, maybe fourth grade. Um, and I sat in the front of the class and I pulled my hair out and I was just pulling it out by the roots. Like just, I had a ducktail and I yanked the whole thing out mm-hmm. over a series of a few days. Didn't feel a thing, didn't bleed or anything, but just like but pulled it out and at the time, I was so fascinated with my roots, like I was looking at the roots of my hair, that after I had yanked all my ducktail out, I was like, well, that must have been why I did it. Like, I was just curious. It wasn't until years later that I was like, I was traumatized. And mm-hmm. I was acting out of trauma. Like, mm-hmm. and no one ever talked about it it was my mom was like don't do that like that's the extent it got there was no hey my son is stressed out and this kid is not happy and this kid is like hurting himself on a day-to-day basis and people are watching him do it and no one's saying anything about it and that's kind of what it looks like for me in those scenes where they're at home where like crazy shit's happening and they're just kind of going all right whatever it's normal like trauma yeah. and violence is normal. Well, I took in this it. Family. I took it as her reality. I took it as kind of just like a recurring gag of like the mom. It's so normalized to her. This is just her everyday life. Right. But it, I took it as more. It seemed like again, like there's such a lack of stakes and a lack of kind of yeah. adult emotional investment in this series. And maybe we're reading it differently, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it seemed to me know. like it was just like kind of a bit of like, oh right, she just doesn't respond emotionally to these things because it's just she's been doing this for 20 years it's just normal to her i think yeah i think i think i think one could interpret it that way however like as i was kind of trying to get to i the way i saw it was oh she's she's dead inside because Mm -hmm. she tears up for a moment when he doesn't come home and the fact that he does come home and and she doesn't break down made me reminded me of like yeah like that's what trauma looks like Hmm. trauma makes you makes a part of your brain uh stop working correctly um Hmm. because again he's been gone for eight months he's grown a beard like what happened to this dude and we don't even get to know that story until like you know like i think like volume three maybe which again, like to your point, I read this in real time. So like, he comes home and I don't know what's gonna happen for like a year uh-huh. <laughs> because it's coming out like month to month. Right? Yeah. And and Kirkman's not. There's a joke that happens um, 
I can't remember what what issue it is in this in this twelve a twelve arc issue, but uh, where he jokes about so uh, Mark goes to this comic book. Yeah, the uh, science. Signing. I like the I like the comic within a comic science. We can get to it if you want to, or well, let's just uh, do it because you brought it up. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, so let's we'll get there. So whatever. So so four. Um, Issue four, you 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 meet the teacher, who's making these bombs, and you discover that the reason why he's doing it is because his son died because of some some school bullying, and so he's targeting, uh, uh, popular kids. What's weird though too is that he's in the class, he gets in trouble with the teacher, and it's mythology right. class, and then later right. they say he's the physics teacher. I was very distracted, but not even my, you know, asshole criticism of the lack of depth in this series. That was like a very strange. I was like, why, why, why? I was just confused by that. Mm, I don't know that I caught that, but now I'm gonna go cast that again. Yeah, but, and so, but also, yeah. So he's with the teen team or whatever. Everyone thinks him and Adam Eve are dating, or everyone's going, oh, you know, she's got a boyfriend. We don't really know how he actually feels about her. There's like no time spent even thinking about it. And then right. he's, she's with uh, whatever her boyfriend is, Rex or whatever. But And we just don't... There's no sense of what their relationship is like. There's no established dynamics between anyone. Well, that's... But, does it, but, but I guess I would say to that, why would there be? Because if you're, if you're obsessed with superhero life, then nothing else matters. Because if you want me to read a comic book series about teen superheroes and there's any stake whatsoever in this romantic, if it's a love triangle, that's interesting to me, mm. right? If he likes her, but she's with Rex Splode, that's interesting. They have right. a connection, but it's challenged by this other guy. Um, you know, that happens, in, you and that, that that happens just... in Harry Potter, right? He likes yeah. Cho Chang and then she likes this other guy and then he dies and it's really intense yeah. and you don't know kind of how to, f you're happy for Harry, but also a kid died. So it makes you feel weird inside where this <laughs> is like, I don't know if I'm even supposed to care or be invested yeah. in this. Well, that, I think that's kind of why I dug it, right? Because I did not like Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter was a series that I, that I was like. Boo, Harry Potter, right. and uh, and because it was so flooded with shit happening, that I always kind of felt like, when is this person gonna freak out? Like, when does Harry Potter go? Like, I I kept wanting Harry Potter to like he was so good. No, that's what the fifth... Anyway, we're not going to talk about Harry Potter, but <laughs> that's what the fifth Harry Potter is all about. That whole long book is like, okay, right. this is really catching up with this kid. Now, he's a teenager now, and he's yeah. really like... Yeah. it's ca Anyway, so then, yeah, they confront the teacher, and he's just real straight up like, yeah, I did all these things. Yeah. And then uh, we get the opening scene from the first issue where he throws him and he blows up. Right. And then the dad comes home, and that's that's the end of that one. Right. Right. I think he comes home in... Does he come home in the four? I think he comes home yeah, in Yeah, he comes home at the yeah. end of four. Okay. So, so yeah. So, but again, I thought the teacher's whole thing with, like, I'm killing kids who made my... Who bullied my son. Um, again, like, to me, this is another thing about trauma. Like, this teacher is suffering. And, look, as someone who's really into mental health, mm -hmm. as a country, we don't talk about it enough. 
and so all these characters in my in my projection brain projection are all is suffering yes. from trauma and yeah. they're like not talking about it and so they're so everything's kind of slowly bubbling we're not talking about the relationship between adam and eve we're i mean i'm uh, mark and adam <laughs> because he's uh he's he's preoccupied uh we're not talking about the relationship between uh nolan and his wife because no one's preoccupied. We're not talking about any relationship at all. The only time we talk about a relationship is uh, when we find out that, you know, Eve, when Eve walks in on, on Rex bloating and, and duplicate, uh-huh. uh, getting, getting busy. And then she runs to Mark. But by that time, Mark has already kind of gotten eyes for, uh, some girl that we Amber. never meet who never has any introduction. Some <laughs> blonde girl walks up and this hands him his phone number, doesn't even have any lines, and then they're making out in his room. And again, I don't know. Do I want him to be with Adam? Who is this other person? So issue five. Yeah. I liked I liked issue five where he fights the Cyclops alien he in space. Fight, yeah, Alan. His name is Alan. Yeah, so his yeah, yeah. dad sends him to space to fight this, you know. Uh, one thing I really liked is the uh, the visual effect of uh, Invincible, his costume, a lot of it's black. And then yeah. he's fighting in space and he uses like a, a dense star pattern. So we see his figure because it's black on black, but then there's all these stars which sort of uh, establish his silhouette. That was a nice visual. Um, and then, yeah, he's just fighting this Alan in space for most of the issue. Yeah, I mean, Alan. So Alan's a pivotal character in this. I think five is a pivotal issue because he's fighting Alan and Alan comes from the um he's a he's the he's the uh uh the the champion uh evaluation officer mm-hmm. and he's from the coalition of planets right and his whole thing is to like go to various planets and like seek out threats and stuff like that um and so the reason why you even get mark Invincible in space fighting Alan is because Omni Man's like, yo, there's this dude who comes here every now and then who tries to punk our planet. I kick his ass and he flies away. Mm-hmm. So just go out there and do it, and and then you know you're 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 golden. I thought it's dope because number one, we get to see kind of some more of Mark's power, which is he can like he, he has this his lung strength. Mm-hmm. So I think it's dope. Uh, and they, and then you also get Alan's power, which he can like, he can project his voice into your thoughts and whatever. Mm-hmm. So they're communicating in space without speaking to each other directly. Um, at some point, it's this really kind of cool battle because both characters don't want to fight each other, and they're only doing the job they think they're supposed to be doing. And you kind of get yeah. a sense of like, oh, well, maybe we don't know the whole story because. Yeah. Why hasn't this this uh, protector of democracy guy actually sat down and had a have a conversation with this alien? Like they, he never did that, but he's about democracy, it's, right? It's the first inkling that something is up to something's that up, sent right? him to do this. Yeah, right. So, so and 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 I thought also like to write a character who you love immediately. Um, I thought was really cool because 
Yeah, you you like Alan. I agree with that. He had some innately likable quality. And the way that they're communicating and that they sort of make friends over the course of this fight, that was well done. No, I like that. And and they sit and look at Earth, and then then it ends, and uh, and Mark is sitting there looking at the planet. And again, it's another little bit of an insight of, like, this dude is figuring this stuff out. We're watching his journey in real time. I mean, it's kind of like... If you had a best friend who uh, you discovered had superpowers, a lot of those days would be just thinking about it. You know, like, there, I, I, I don't know, like, you remember in life, you remember, you know, I don't know how long, like, we're the, we're the same age. We've had a lot of time on, on, the, on the planet, but we can't remember all that time. And I, and I... I think if I were to sit down and really try hard to remember like a full year of experiences, a lot of that time would be me just sitting on my ass. You know, <laughs> a lot of that time would be me just like thinking about stuff and or, mm-hmm. or writing or doing like really boring stuff. So like I love that in this comic there are there's just silent moments where he's just kind of existing and figuring out what it means to be him with all mm-hmm. this Stuff. So him looking at the planet and going, whoa, I thought, and, it, and it's just that. It's just this big picture of, I think it's just this big Yeah, it's picture. like a double page spread where yeah, he says, like, cool. And, that, and, yeah. and it takes you in. You're like, yeah, like, you wouldn't think to him because he doesn't know what he can do. So mm-hmm. he's fighting this guy and he's like, oh, I guess I could hold my breath. Oh, wait, now I can't. I got to fly back to the planet, get some oxygen, come back up, still fight. And everything settles, and he just stops for a moment and goes, whoa. And I just, it's a nice breath where you get this dude's human, you know? Um, Because then that takes us to, like, issue six where a ton of shit happens. (laughs) Yeah, so he's playing playing catch with his dad in the sky, and they're throwing the baseball around the world, which is Around the world. Um, Yeah. It's crazy. So this is another one. Okay, so here's yeah, me. Ahead, this ahead. is just us. It's just a Des- game of ping pong. My, where, yes. Yeah. I I say why it sucks, and then you say why it's good. <laughs> um, so it's the best <laughs> podcast episode ever. Uh, so he goes on his college tour, right? He's going to go tour colleges. And then it's like, right. okay, so then the dad and the mom are alone together for the day. So, yeah. of course, like any married couple that's been together for 20 years... They're just going to have sex over and over again. This is, again, this is like a 22-year-old writer's concept. And I know, like, later we see that the dad sort of sees humans as cattle and he's only interested in sex. So it's, like, a little bit expanded on. But she's there, too. It's like, you really think... I'm just like, if you want this to feel real, like a real... Then they would probably be talking about their mortgage or, like, uh, you know, fixing the, the... roof it's just like come on what is a married couple this is like totally a childish whimsy (laughs) of what a married couple would do if their teenage son was gone for the day okay all right so so uh so yes and uh (laughs) they're playing catch you got that uh we also got robot who we meet early in the series he goes to the guardians of the globe he gets recruited to this thing so he's so robot is becoming you know presumably he's a teenager 
And so mm-hmm. he's coming of age. So he's going to be an older person in the world now, an older, yeah. an older spirit, right? Because we don't know what he did, what he is yet. We also meet Black Samson, uh, who has who has lost his powers. Um, we also find out that the, that, the, that the suit that was made for him by this guy who makes uh, all these suits was stolen. And this dude's mm-hmm. feeling bad about it, like it's his fault if this suit falls into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. We also um, find we also the bag that was thrown in the first issue uh, lands in this issue. This is issue six. Does it? it I'm lands trying in to London. I'm try try yeah. to find it. Uh, let me. I, I want to find it for you too. And then when they're at the college, some sort of robot creature. So there's a, yeah, there's a robot zombie that comes that comes out. Um, you also, uh, you know, get a little bit more of William's character, like I was saying, how he's like kind of uptight about his name. Um, you also, and then also in this episode, uh, you find that that Eve catches Rexplode cheating. We don't even know who it is yet. Well, it's a kid. cliffhanger. It's, it's a cliffhanger. A cli- it's, you just see that she sees something she doesn't want to see at the end of the issue. Right. I don't see this uh, garbage bag falling. Oh, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me see I it. just okay. am going through this whole issue here. I don't All see right. it. So, let's see. Here we go. Issue 6. The playing catch. The you meet uh, Black Samson. The suits. You know, he wants to get back on the team. They're not letting him. Oh, yeah, right here. So, it's one page, right? So, they're in college. They're taking the tour. You know, she says, if you have any questions, let me know. And the next page, this garbage bag lands in London. Why don't I see it? Wait, so also, there's the part where he goes, how come none of the girls in uh, high school girls are this hot? And it's like, this artist, I think, is pretty decent, but he basically just draws one woman. Yes. (laughs) Like, every woman looks exactly... It's like, those literally are the exact same girls you go to high school. So wait, okay, I'm still looking. Okay, so so the girls are hot. The next page is, hi, I'm Mrs. Thatcher, right? I'm the orientation officer here at Upstate University. You must be Mark and William. You see that? Where he goes, I'm David, Mrs. Thatcher's assistant. No. Yeah. What? Where are you? <laughs> Maybe I'm missing. Oh, you know what? It's probably a thing where the big collection has stuff that's not in the... Or maybe this is missing pages, what I have. I have a digital copy. Oh, you're missing a page. <laughs> I guess... Okay, well, then fair enough. So then there's a garbage bag in the... So uh, this, so you see... So this, this Here, I'll, I'm going to show you on the screen... So it looks like oh, that. Yeah, that's not in what I have. So well, going. you know what? I'm turned around. This is a great series. You. <laughs> One thing I like too is that Charlie Brown is always in a in the crowd. Whenever you see a crowd scene, there's Charlie Brown. Have you you notice that? I haven't noticed that. Now I gotta go look at Charlie Brown. Um, yeah, he's in the mall. He's in the mall when the mall blows up. Where is he? There's Charlie. There's always a. Guy dressed as Charlie Brown. He's like all up in this. I just saw him. That's now so we're just funny. flipping now, through pages here. That. All right, so so let's keep it moving with the sex. So uh, so you know it, the sex thing for me is like you know he comes home, he's shaved, he looks you know they have this look, they're alone at last, and and then they and then you know it's it's 
it's a way of making you like this guy. Like, he's not an asshole. He's a nice husband. Like, he loves his wife. It didn't make me like him. I just seemed like a... So there's Charlie Brown when the ambulance comes after the (laughs) robot zombie is killed. If you look, there's Charlie Brown is is in the crowd right there. Wait. So wait. Wait. So I'll find that later. I'm gonna go to the page. Okay, but also in the mall, in the mall before uh, the guy blows up, I'll, I'm sure. There, I think there's more Charlie Browns as we go. I'm gonna look for Charlie Brown. So okay. So my take on the second. So they. So you know. So the garbage bag. La- garbage bag lands. There's more William stuff with his name. Uh, there's this long conversation between Mark and William, and there's also something going on interesting with them that I think is kind of cool. Which is, you're learning a little bit more about their relationship, and there's something to be said for, like, why these dudes are friends, and you kind of figure it out in this issue. Who, Mark and um, William? Yeah, like, like they kind of need each other. Like, you, you begin to get that, that their relationship is kind of, they kind of depend on each other. Um, for, like... They're, they kind of keep each other grounded, if you will. Like they, they, they're, they're like the thread that ties each other to the ground. Um, and so we, then we go to the next page, which is they're gonna have sex again. So this yep. is you know, all day now. That's all they did all day. Well, and look, you know what? It's I said before. It's dated. It's very chauvinistic. Um, it's it's supposed to make us as primitive men go yeah like yeah that's what it that's what i would do if i had superpowers i would i would fuck my wife all day (laughs) you know yes it's very primitive look i'll 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 spoil someone something for the listeners who have not read this book and i'll say that at some point in the series eve dies oh man (laughs) thanks a lot okay and she comes back. You hate it. You don't care. You don't like the book anyway. She comes back, and she can. She brings herself back to life with her powers, and she rebuilds herself, and she gives herself a um, a bigger ass and bigger tits. Okay. And it's a big part of the. Like, it's a big part of that booklet. She's like, oh, while I'm at it, I'll just do this. And you're like, uh, okay, Robert. That's kind of gross. You know, like it's okay. very through the male gaze. Yeah. And so. That scene with the with the husband having superpowers, taking his wife, you know, working it out as they say in in hip hop culture, and uh, and then being like, "Let's go again." Is very much this sense of this dude's a manly man. This dude's a like, right again. You know, I just I don't. It's gross. Think, yeah. You're more evolved. You shouldn't like him for that. But like whatever. I was a teenager, so uh, I was like, yeah. Um, and so then we meet this other guy, um, and you know, in college still. And then there's the whole like robot zombie, and then you know, invincible. Yeah. Saves so then the, the the next issue has a bunch of different artists, which right. took me a second. So I don't know who any of these people are except Eric Larson inks a sequence, the mm-hmm. War Woman sequence, and then uh, I was like, oh, they got Dave Johnson. Which yeah. is kind of a big deal, but he just does one page, which yeah. kind of yeah. made sense. And then again, it has like, uh, you know, it has one panel eight times as the opener. And so we basically just meet the Justice League. They're all like really blatant uh, analogs of the Justice League. It's not even well, trying. They're, 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 
they're but they're mocking him. How like, are they mocking him? Well, okay, so the you meet you meet um what's his name? You meet uh you meet Darkwing, mm-hmm. right? And Darkwing is just overkill Batman. Like he's over the top dark and you know, dare I say gothic. And you know, he's, he gets summoned away and then you meet War <laughs> War woman, mm-hmm. right? Who has this interesting relationship where you kind of be like, oh, you're kind of, she's, she's, you know, she's gay. Um, oh, I did like where she's, that her apartment, get, her girlfriend's apartment gets destroyed. She goes, I'll have my company hire someone to move you out of here today and then reimburse your landlord for the damage. Pick a larger place. I plan to stay over more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That was yeah, just you like, meet, you, you meet the Flash knockoff. Yeah. Um, who his wife kind of gets that. He's this guy who zips back and forth, and she's, you know, learning how to accept it. And you you also get a sense that, like, these people that are warriors are essentially good people. You meet the, there's the joke about the, you know, the fish one in, in, in Atlantis who's just kind of sitting there doing nothing. And he's like, and he's like, finally some work, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, 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 I think that was funny. But so, like, uh, they all get killed by Omni-Man at the end is the big reveal, which is a, a hell of a reveal, if I'm being... Yeah. I mean, I think I knew before I ever read this series that this was kind of the launch premise that oh, his yeah. dad is the villain, which no that would have been really cool to... Re- I mean, that I, I give that credit as a cool reveal, and I was like, well, what's yeah. going to happen? But, um... So, and then at their funeral, there's a bunch of image characters, including Savage Dragon... And and, and 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 Patriot is there, which I Super Patriot, yeah. yeah. I'm a so I'm a Savage Dragon reader for forever. Okay. Uh, okay. That's a I'll, I'll. So I think Savage Dragon does a really good job of having kind of analog characters, right. homage characters, but with a spin on them or whatever. So I guess to me it felt more like lazy than fun mm. to have just these really blatant analog characters of like basically like well there's a main super team on earth they're all going to get killed right. so they're basically throwaway characters anyway but it spends a whole issue establishing them which is kind right. of fun and then yeah. but it felt like a lack of effort of like really creating these characters i mean but i don't think we're supposed to sit there and mourn hey, look i thought it was i thought it was sad because what it did do for me is it made me go, oh, we're going to learn more about them later. Because everything that Robert Kirkman is setting up for us in his series is we don't get all the information right away. Yeah, yeah. It, he kind of draws it out. And so we learn, I mean, again, like, you missed the whole bag falling in London, but that tells me that, like, things that happen on page one, we may not get all the information until, like, page 25. And yeah, so yeah. We meet these these knockoff Justice League characters, you know, the knockoff um, Martian Manhunter and the knockoff Green Lantern have a really funny exchange where, like, the Green Lantern character has to digest this thing in order to get his powers, and he's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, do I have to do it now? And he's got, like, vomit all over it. And, and uh, you know, you meet um, uh, Immortal, who's this guy who, you know, throws this villain into the, into space He's kind of an asshole. Um, and then they die. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get to know who these characters were. So th- so for me, as someone who was getting sucked into Robert's writing, now I'm disappointed 
because I got excited about who these characters were going to be. Right? He's so, good at subverting expectation. He's good at sort of thinking that giving you kind of an obvious lead towards something and then doing the opposite, which is right, that right. part's good storytelling. So then the, the next issue eight opens with Omni-Man is being uh, interrogated by Rorschach. Which is another. So his name like, is really, his, na- his name is uh, is Damien Darkblood. We don't see him. We don't see his face till later. At this point, it's like <laughs> yeah, we think it's, it's Rorschach, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, and 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 also, I thought when I first read that that like oh, he obviously took the suit to mm-hmm. kind of throw everybody off this off the tail. So like off the, off the trail. So I thought he had stolen Black Samson's new suit to make people think that. Maybe someone attached to Blank Samson did everything, right? Mm. And so, uh, and so we don't know. We know that that Omni Man did it, but no one else knows. And and we also see Adam Eve fly into um, for the first time, fly into uh, you know uh, Mark's bedroom window. Yeah, in front of a detective. Well, so. you know, D- Damien, Damien Darkblood isn't the best detective. And, Apparently and not. And that later yeah. on. So she flies in. The mom walks in. She thinks they're having sex and has a big sex talk with them. Right. And right. then, uh, and so, yeah, then this is where the next page, some, some blonde girl just hands him her phone number. And uh, we don't know who she is or why she's interested in him. There's no other than for to create more uh, narrative drama. But Did you miss that? Before that happens, what's his face? Uh, Derek shows up, and Derek was one of the one of the kids that had the bomb. That's right uh, after. That yeah. happens. Oh, okay, on, yeah. so is it after? Yeah, it's the page after that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So they have this sex talk, and then like Amber hands him a phone number. We don't know who that is, but I think the whole point of that is, again very chauvinistic, very much like Robert thinks that all men think the same way. We're supposed to go. Hot blonde gave him his number. Yeah, him. He's gonna get some yeah. some tail. Totally uh, right. Which exactly. is gross. Right. So so then Derek shows up and he, they they have this kind of like casual exchange where clearly Derek's got something going on in his in his life that we don't know about yet. Um, and we're gonna find out later. Uh, and yeah. then we got Mark. Punching out uh, some guy that's kind of like the rhino, but he's an elephant in an elephant suit. I liked that yeah, again. It's an a it's a cheap suit. analog, but I really like that elephant suit. So I yeah. oh, and this is where we start with Ryan Otley. This is now the first the new Ryan yeah, Otley yeah, issue, yeah. which when again I was like ah, it's fairly but similar. I like the art. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it it gets cleaner. Like you start get you you get you get you get real noses versus these like. Little curly lines for noses. Yeah, it's it's pretty consistent though too. Like it's they're they're surprisingly similar. Or he sort of like looked at he kept he keeps the look of the series. Yeah, compositionally it's similar. And so yeah, yeah. then we see the front. So then we're at the funeral. Savage Dragon's there, which is great. Also the tw- the twins are there. So again, like there. kind of like a throw to are these dudes bad? Are they evil? Like, what are they doing? They give their props to formidable foe, you know, formidable foe. Um, they had hoped to kill them himself. Uh, and then something crazy happens where, um, black Sin- Sinestro. Showed. Yeah. Yeah. He's dressed like Sinestro. He's, from he looks like DC white Comics. Sinestro. Yeah. Um, or Italian Sinestro. 
uh, shows up with the suit on, and then all these heroes go to go go at him. And what I thought was interesting was, all right, Black Samson lost his powers. We don't know how that happened yet. And and I thought the butler showing up to avenge his ward was interesting because you know this is kind of like a take on Alfred, right? Which which this is this is psychotic Alfred, uh, if you will. I thought it was very kind of fun and cool, and and he's also showing up to a place where all these heroes are. I know it's really a bad plan, <laughs> really crazy, but also that that kind of lets us know how powerful this suit must be mm. for him to think like, I'm going to be safe with this. I'm going to kill the guardians of the globe with this suit. Well, they're already dead. <laughs> right. But he, right. Right. But he wanted to, that was his yeah. plan. Right. Like, so he's just angry that that someone else did it before he did. So he's going to fight all the other heroes. He gets his ass kicked, um, you know, by, by Nolan. Uh, and then, there's the dialogue between Savage Dragon and Mark yeah. um, that kind of clarifies like what this moment means for them. So then Eve is mad because uh, Rex is at the teen team right. spot. <laughs> uh, Mark's got the love note from Amber. He takes his friend flying. Yeah, which I think is funny. It's like a play on the you know standard like Superman takes Lois flying or whatever. So that was sure, sure, sure. That was but cute. also like he drops, he drops the note to take his boy flying, which again kind of lets you know like what are his priorities and his priority mm. is is friendship over oh, bros before hoes. If ah, you yes, that's uh, is that the name of the second collection? <laughs> yeah, bros before hoes, um, and then you know. Uh, they fly and it's funny and cheesy and then there's the scene in, in the bedroom which again to kind of go back to their one intimate scene we've seen so far which is just sex mm-hmm. this is a uh, opposite of that and there's I would n- say this is the deepest scene in the whole series, this one okay. page, where they're actually having a conversation about something. <laughs> right, but you can see it's loveless. There's no there's there's no passion in, in, in this in this scene, which makes me think that the sex scene was an act, right? It didn't mean mm-hmm. anything. So we're led to believe that there's this that that there's this sexy, passionate relationship between these two people who've been together for a long time, but really, it's not. That was just a guy who was horny because he was gone for eight months, right? And so here we are, they're in the bed, and 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 <laughs> Omni Man is writing notes for his book, <laughs> no, mm. which I think is really really funny. And yeah. he's not going to talk to her about what he's feeling. He's not going to open up. So this is a dysfunctional relationship we're seeing for the first time. Like you said, maybe it's the deepest part of the book, um, but we're getting a piece of a thing we didn't know and then the next page you got Derek pissing on the grave of the teacher who who put this stuff on him. Yeah. And he's still got he's got like a robotic torso from Yeah, he's, he, he was uh he was experimented on. Yeah. And he's pissing on the grave. And then the blue guys are there to to dig up uh the immortal, right? The immortal's head, because the the mythology is that if you if you dig up the head, you get powers, and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden the blue guys show up and they're like, "Hey, you did the work for us." And we have no idea what they're doing. 
And then there's issue nine, which there's a little joke of Star Trek. It's a really blatant Star Trek deep space. And we see the Cyclops alien again, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah, there's like a Cyclops or a Star Trek deep space nine. Right. Analog. Right. Issue nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the father and son watch zombie movies together. Robots. So then Robot is government sponsored starting a new, uh, what are they called? The Guardians of the Guardians Globe. Guardians of the Globe. And he's talking to Cecil, who's like, I don't know, who would you, uh, their version of Commissioner Gordon, right? Like if, like someone who works for the government um, and has access that allows the heroes to do what they do. But okay. yeah, you I don't also, know. Yeah, you also get a better, a bigger sense of these heroes are government-sponsored. So we don't live in a world of vigilantism. We live in a world of sponsored heroism. Well, the old Guardians of the Globe were funded by two of them were rich, and then they're all right. gone, so now there's going to be this government-sponsored super team, so they're holding... Right, they're holding uh, uh, trials, but even before... But, but you yeah. get in this scene that Cecil kind of knew... Like, he was the one that would send him on missions. Oh, okay. You know, like... Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So that happens, and then you see, uh, you know, Nolan arguing with himself about, like, telling Mark the truth. Uh, like, he's struggling with this. Um, you get some more uh, closeness between Eve and, and, and Invincible with, 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 with where they put their costumes on. Yeah, the um, mom is washing their super suits, which is a real, really good character development there. They fight the Lizard <laughs> League. Again, like, yeah, like, uh, the Lizard League is what, a, a play on, um, oh man, what's the Lizard, I, I, I feel like it's a play on all those old, uh, you know, Land of the Lost. I don't know, I think it's just a, I think it's just a Lizard League, man. <laughs> so this is where we really see that Rex is a jerk. He's being a jerk to a little girl, and then she's like, I'm monster girl, and she turns into a big monster and beats him up for, like, four pages. Yeah, just a yeah, little weird, monster a little much, girl. Yeah. And her host just gets, gets, you know, but these are all like seeds because we're going to eventually see her later on. So um, then Black, Black Samson's in. The, so did he get his powers back or is that setting no, something the suit. up? Oh, he got the suit back. So it's a suit. Yeah, he, it's the suit that gives him powers. Okay. So he's back on the team. Um, again, there's more dinner dialogue between Mark and the mom, which again, like, lets us know that there's that what needs to be said hasn't been said between them they're kind of they're kind of grazing over um superfluous conversations that that don't mean really much of anything because they're avoiding the elephant in the room which is her son is going out and putting himself in danger you know daily no i think it's that he's making out with girls in his room well so yeah but like that's not what they want to... Yes, that's, he's talking about Amber and dating and everything. Then, but like, then he's making out with Amber in his room, and then Adam Eve sees it, and she's disappointed. And then we see uh, the uh, Immortal gets resurrected by the blue guys, and that's the end of the issue. Yeah, and then he beats him. Oh, wait, so do you, are you missing that page where they're talking at the table? No, they're talking at the table, and he's like, she's like, are, are you dating Eve? And he's like, no, so-and-so's coming over to study... And then, right, uh, right, but I guess what I'm yeah. saying is, you know, it's, they're talking about dating, 
when I mean, you know, we have kids, right? And it's like we tend to talk about the most pressing stuff. They're not talking about the pressing stuff. Like, we don't care about dating. Like, talk to your son about the fact that he's going out and maybe murdering people. Like, that's the thing. Right. Like, hey, you just went to a funeral where, like, the most powerful beings on Earth were all slaughtered. And you're going to go out there and potentially fight the thing that killed all of them. I'm going to talk to you about dating. Right? Well, like, my, uh, my kid's almost two, so we mostly talk about what noises animals make <laughs> but i think we'll get there yeah i think we'll 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 get to the real shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well or you'll talk about dating i don't know maybe we'll see yeah. so yeah so so uh omni man i mean uh, immortal goes crazy flies out of there and then we get issue 10 where uh doc seismic uh, i like doc seismic that was cool. fighting and again like mark beats him up he falls to the earth is at the end, we don't know. You don't know because you didn't read past 12. And then uh, and then there's, then there's we get Nolan again, who's been struggling with having this conversation with his son about the truth. Right, right? so they don't get to that. But basically it's the issue where we meet the science. I, like, I always like a comic within a comic thing. So yeah. Mark goes and meets the artist, a science dog. There's a really forced meta joke about using the same image over and over again. But also you, we, we're, we're, we're passing by the fact that like uh, Damien, Damien Youngblood isn't getting anywhere with, the, with his investigation. Yeah, He's Rorschach's investigation isn't going well. <laughs> also, I thought it was funny that... that <laughs> Sanford is in their version of Pentagon Prison, and he's still dusting. Like, he's dusting in the prison. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's like, good. He's, it's his nature. He's a, he's a butler in his heart. He even says, like, you know, I got some pool. You need help. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're not well. You so know. then the, so, yeah. the resurrected immortal attacks Omni-Man, and Omni-Man rips him apart. And then Invincible Seas, which prompts issue 11. So that's when we get into his backstory and that he's actually been sent to Earth to... What's he doing on Earth exactly? Break it down for me. So his whole... So the... So the... The Voltamites, their whole thing is to eradicate anything inferior. So their whole thing is like universal domination. So they send Voltamites to various planets to... Uh, lay their seed into the the planet population, whatever it is, so that they can continue to have their species exist everywhere. So making them the... I mean, we we learn later on that's also because they, their species is dying out, so they're looking mm. for more ways to populate. But for the most part, it's because they want to be the be the best species ever anywhere and so nolan goes to earth to like check out the planet and eventually take it over and and take it over wipe out wipe out all all things inferior but like rule rule earth as as its god and then yeah like you the net like issued 11 is father and son kicking the smack out of each other 
Well, that's what issue 12 is. So then... Right, 12, uh, yeah. Invincible doesn't agree to basically take over Earth with his dad. Right. And so then they just have a issue-long fight. They throw down. And it's really bloody, which I like. I liked the excess blood, that they get real bloody <laughs> when they fight. I don't know why, but that worked for me. But also, I think, you know, it's it's... There's so much for me there because just be you know he talks about how hey you know i was with your mom and she's nothing to me like like mm-hmm. i'm going to outlive her like nobody here is significant and not only are they fighting each other but in the midst of their fighting they're destroying the planet mm-hmm. like like they're fi- like marcus fighting is fighting his dad and as they're doing it they're destroying buildings Things are collapsing on people. Like people are dying, and and you know, at some point, is that going to matter to him? You know, who is going to be accountable for all this destruction? Um, but more importantly, it's like this entire time up until this point, the family dynamic has been avoiding any sort of harsh reality. They hmm. don't talk about, you know, Nolan being gone for eight months. There's a sex scene that's completely shallow when it's when they're time when they're in bed. You know, there's this uh, sense of business as usual. Nolan doesn't open up about his feelings. He's a writer of of, of books as a way to like hide his identity and you know make a living or whatever. Um, we don't know much about what, what the mom's passion is. She just kind of stays home and gets things done, does laundry. It's a it's a it's a dysfunctional family, and so mm-hmm. we we end this this twelve arc, uh, twelve issue arc with like the culminating dis- most dysfunctional act, which is father and son are physically abusing each other. Well, you, you know. know- I feel like we've learned a lot about you over the course of this podcast. <laughs> we learned about your your father, who would only let you read Casper comics, and then the difficult divorce. So I can see why the father son fist fight really uh, resonates it with did, you man. as the uh, culmination like, of. Uh, I want to beat up my dad, but you know, so so you know, but it, I I had remember like I had never seen anything like this in what I had read so far. I mean. There's some stuff with, you know, obviously uh, within the Teen Titan universe with Raven's dad and, and, you know, that whole thing. And but like to see a a, a, to go from this kid completely idolizing his father his entire life, wanting Mm -hmm. to be just like him for 12 issues, how how casually the dad tells him when he's a kid hey you're gonna have superpowers there's no conversation around responsibility or accountability mm-hmm. you know and then for it to end with i don't know who my dad is and he's trying to murder me i just i hadn't read anything that heavy i mean look this book for me again it's super Super, 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 super sexist, <laughs> chauvinistic. Robert Kirkman, I, I, I feel like has grown. I think I watched the cartoon, the the um version of this, mm-hmm. and 
uh, I, I got to read a lot of the, a lot of the uh, hate that was thrown toward it because people were so mad it was politically correct and progressive. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, the fact that they did some, you know, uh, ethnic bending with the characters, the fact that they boot, they beefed up um, some more of the uh, characteristics of the women characters, I thought was really awesome that they took the premise of this really cool comic that I fell in love with and made all the right corrections. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were furious with that. Like people wow, were like, why does everything have yeah. to be so correct? And I was like, come on, it's, it's like we're moving forward. It's good. Yeah. Um, but I think this, this book for me went into some really dark places about uh, that. I had just not seen a lot of books at the time going. I mean, you know, again, I was reading, I was reading the ultimate lines of everything. And I think, the the most ballsiest move that I found it, it was when they chose to make uh, um, Colossus gay in the Ultimate X Men. Oh yeah, you know. Um, so this is you know this is before I read uh, the Astonishing X Men, before I read um, you know the uh, the New Avengers line, before I read you know, the storyline that where Wanda goes, goes crazy and murders everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is before I read a lot of Hulk stuff, which I love. Um, before I read... But anyway, no, I think it's kind of a cool subversion of the initial premise is like, you know, basically Superman's son is coming of age as a hero. And right. that's sort of an interesting premise, but then it turns into like then the Superman analog is essentially as a super villain and it's now the son having to prevent his own father from uh taking over there so that's cool i mean it's a cool premise i i give it that it's i'm interested yeah so i don't know it's sort of like i'll probably read the wikipedia page to find out what happens <laughs> but i'm not reading all those comics <laughs> no no it's a long read but i think uh i think where it goes is still to, to this day um and look, one of my favorite comic book characters of all time is the Joker. And I don't think there's a more interesting villain than him. And still, I think Invincible is one of the most, I don't know, like, ballsy, interest. Like, it just, because again, I read it month to month. And yeah. sometimes there'd be, like, and I, I was reading this at the same time that I was reading Walking Dead. Um, uh uh-huh. And Walking Dead would leave you hanging for, like, months. So this would come out, and it's really exciting. Um, and I love when things end. I love an end. So when, I, when it was coming to closure, this book is also one of the dopest endings I think I've read in a, in a, in a series. Yeah. Um, where it felt like, yeah, that's a good conclusion for this. Um, so based on my sense that this comic structurally it's pretty good but when you actually read it it's not very good do you feel <laughs> like i would come around if i continued to read do you think if i kept reading this that i would just bitch and moan through the whole thing or do you think i would get to a point where i'm like oh this is a good this is good that's a good question uh knowing what i know about you i think you'd bitch and moan the entire yeah <laughs> i think yeah. you'd bitch and All moan right. for a while but i think you would eventually kind of come around to because uh, I mean, look, the the reason why any of these books are good, whether whether they be invincible or um, whatever you're into, is because you let the characters in. 
right? And they they take mm-hmm. some significance mm-hmm. in your life. And the reason why this book didn't 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 place anywhere for you is because essentially what you were saying is none of these characters mean anything to you. They're all expendable yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think this book doesn't mean anything unless you let them in. And once you let them in, I think it's a great read. Um, but I was I was open to letting them in. It's not like I didn't I didn't allow that. It's it never happened for me. Yeah, I wanted maybe, it to. Maybe thirteen's the one. Maybe thirteen issue thirteen is when they finally like. All right. Get into your cold heart. And... I'll read one more issue. I'll see what happens. But um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's well paced. I can see how if I'd read it at a different time. Or in a different context. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's not, it's, I don't think I'm right to, to tell other people not to read it or anything, but it's just, it's not my, it's not my series, you know, like we all kind of have our yeah. comics that really sit with us. And I think I'd read too many comics by the time I read What are this, yours? You know? I don't even know what yours are. Well, that's a whole, uh, I mean, we kind of get into that on this whole series overall. Well... Uh, I have this idea of like what is your comics autobiography I always like this of like your kind of personal history of reading comics at at pivotal times so I guess I'll do it on here Uh, I'm not going to get them all if I try to go through them but so I read as a kid the first thing I really remember is like Todd McFarlane on Spider-Man that was a big deal and then he got his own Spider-Man title Uh, that was a big deal for me and then Jim Lee on X-Men and then Image Comics started, so Spawn and Wildcats. And then as I was kind of hitting an age where I was losing interest in mainstream superhero comics, uh, a series, an image series by Sam Keith called The Max came out. Yeah, The Max. And that hit yeah. me really hard because it was really like started as a superhero comic and then became, like you said, it's very much about trauma yeah. and discussions about feminism and like picking apart tropes. So The Max was really crucial. And then Did you there was the, a lot the, the of cartoon version of it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't ever get into cartoons on this podcast or okay, whatever, okay, but nice. I mean, I I at the time I watched it, it was basically like just the images from the comic on screen, right. which is kind of cool. Uh, and then uh, and then that kind of led me to a lot of young adult comics that were happening at the time. Sandman, yeah. Piranha Press had a whole thing. Mark Hempel stuff. Gregory was a really big deal to me, and then he did art on a series called breathtaker and then later did sandman his stuff was really big and then i started working at the comic store so i would read uh what was that stuff so kind of the early the early uh joe quesada at marvel stuff like okay. uh paul jenkins and humans was a mm-hmm. big one for me um and then i got into indie comics you know i read uh, or then alan moore so alan moore's miracle man you know i yeah. read Watchmen when i was maybe 10 for the first yeah. time dark knight returns i read when i was like eight years old oh, wow. uh and then even before that matt Groening and linda berry comics my mom would have them so like i literally would look at them before i could read them and i would like learn to read work as hell I remember that really clearly. And Linda Berry's Big Ideas was a book we had in the house. Uh, And then um, 
Then Autobio Comics, so Joe Matt, his series Peep Show was really big for me. And then yeah. uh, he was friends with Chester Brown and Seth, and they all made stuff, and that was big. And then Peter Bagg did a series called Hate, which is one of these podcasts that so was cool. big for me. And then I went to college and was still kind of seeking stuff out. So Dave Cooper's series Weasel was really big. Yeah. And then just like the Fanographics catalog, you know, and I got more into, uh, you know, I... Finally, the Hernandez Brothers stuff was collected in such a way that it was more accessible because it was always kind of hard to get into with how it was yeah. collected. Uh, and then just finding stuff. And then from there, uh, and then, you know, I read Savage Dragon for since I was 12 or whatever. But oh, and then Grant Morrison. I love Grant Morrison. I'll probably sure. do a bunch of his runs. So Grant Morrison on JLA yeah. when I was in high school, that really got me into DC Comics more than anything. And I read that whole run, uh, and then uh, just dipping in and out. You know, I read Fifty Two when that was happening. And did you like it? I didn't. I didn't like it that much. I loved the experience of reading it. Like yeah. I have a sort of a cycle of I like going to the comic store and buying comics and serialized yeah. comics. Oh, Preacher was another one that was Preacher's big when good. I was in high school. Yeah. I read that as it was coming out. Um, so. I'll read comics that I don't even necessarily think are that great if they're coming out every month and if I can just keep picking them up, you know? Okay. Uh, so I still seek those out. Like, I just read all of Immortal Hulk all yeah. at once. And I really was like, damn, I wish I was reading this every month. I think the last thing I read as a serialized run was uh, Mark Wade's run on Daredevil, mm -hmm. which started with uh, Marcos Martin and... Uh, Paolo Rivera, who I love both those guys. And then it turned into Chris Somney. Yeah. And uh, just for the art alone, that was phenomenal. But uh, the way Marvel and DC do the whole like event cycle is so off-putting to me now oh, see, that I very so cool. rarely like, read what they're doing. Yeah, I've kind of gotten into that because I don't have the time or the <laughs> or the finances to keep going every every week and getting the new yeah. thing. So I kind of like the the you know the completed story and then like i don't have to worry about what happens next no but i mean there's always like a banner like i got into civil war when that happened and then oh, it just turned okay. into this like perpetual event and like yeah, events don't really I end see. they lead into the next one and i you know i did two or three of them and then i was like this is just diminishing returns it's yeah those are harder yeah. because they kind of sucked you in and you're like oh i gotta be a subscriber now and i yeah i, I stopped being into that stuff and um well you, and i'm like sell me sell me a series you know i'll read yeah. one series forever but as soon as it turns into a bunch of different stuff that i'm supposed to be reading i just i'll just stop buying yeah, it, it so. the crossover stuff where you gotta get this yeah. issue from that but yeah i'm the same way i don't like all that stuff where where do you yeah. put in your comic journey where do you put stuff like like the far side and Garfield uh -huh. and Heathcliff and like like those are very those those have been constant in my life, but for whatever reason yeah. I don't even think about them when I think about comic books. But like they're still comics. Well, they're comic strips, you know. I mean, the Far Side is not even technically comics because it's a single image; it's a gag sure. cartoon that was formative for me. And then Bill Watterson, you know, right. Calvin and Hobbes is like one of the. Yeah. definitive things that has existed in my life but it's a different uh it's a different genre within the medium of comics you know of the comic strips but there's a lot of great great work that have happened in comic strips and if you go historically back you know there's like a lot of great achievements yeah i read like i read charlie brown obviously as a kid i read i read all the calvin and Hobbes stuff 
Um, I read Far Side. I read I read Hagar the Horrible. I read yeah. um, you know uh, uh, was it Doonesbury. I read you know Non Sequitur. I read mm-hmm. um, I read all that stuff, and I got the book versions. And mm-hmm. and so, but it's just I think it's interesting that I don't put like one of the one of my favorite books as an adult, I guess young adult, was stuff by the Luna Brothers. You know, I liked what they did, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, and then I and then there's stuff that I like that are that are very adult comic based, and they're not superheroes. There's just they're the you know ordinary people stories that oh, I yeah. can yeah. that I feel like are very reminiscent of stuff like Calvin and Hobbes and and all this stuff that I I just mm-hmm. for whatever reason in my brain they don't. Well, comics is a medium, you know, so I've always, that's one thing that comes up in this podcast too, is there, it's pretty common for people to only like superhero comics or to only like non-superhero comics, you know, but uh, I just like the, I like, you know, like people who like TV, it's not like they like a specific, well, they might like a specific thing, but people don't associate TV with a specific type of show. Yeah. And I feel like that about comics, like I like an illustrated sequential narrative and uh, it really depends on the quality of it. Anyway, we got to wrap up, man. Yeah, i got to go. I can talk to you about comics forever. Right. Although we can talk at a different time. I think we've said everything there is to say about Invincible. <laughs> so I have a question for you before we wrap up, which is uh, if you yourself could, uh, I guess you would write it. You don't really draw, right? I know you have an art background. Not anymore. Paint. Yeah. Yeah. But so let's say uh, Marvel or DC Comics let you do whatever you wanted with an existing or even image comics or any. If you could do a run, if you could write a run of a series that had no editorial intervention, what would you do? Um, I, I, I've actually been talking to a friend of mine about writing uh, a Fantastic Four run. Oh, yeah. And, uh-huh. and I, I, especially after seeing. Um, Doctor Strange, uh, I've had I've had a lot of opinions about the Fantastic Four, and I just uh, I think I'd love to do um, a story that revolves around them trying to prove themselves heroic in a world of more impressive superheroes. Mm, which like, is sort of what we're gonna get probably in the movies yeah well yeah so yeah. i have this i have this opening scene in my brain that i think is cute especially now which is uh it's halloween and and they're all out together and they're dressed they're dressed they're dressed up as the incredibles oh yeah you know, right on uh so yeah like i'd, I'd like cool. to just i don't know i think i think I think there's a reason why cinematically we've never got them right, and I think it's mm. because it's it's hard to take those guys seriously. Like, they're, mm. they're I think si- it's because they're the best comic from the early. Well, they're sort of like they started Marvel Comics. Yeah, they started it. They started it, so they're it's sort of like uh, you know if you show a kid uh, Citizen Kane now, you know they're not like oh I've never seen camera angles like this before. You know it's kind of <laughs> right. like it's, yeah it's yeah. So I think I'd love to have their commentary on that about how yeah. su- the superhero wor- superhero world left them. Yeah. But they were the first. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting the first family, yeah. yeah. So and then what are you working on? Where can I find you online? 
Oh, that's a good question. So obviously you can go to my Instagram. I'm uh, everywhere. Uh, social media wise is um, uh, the Joshua Silverstein, except for Twitter, which is um, at the Joshua RS. Um, and the thing that I'm doing right now is theater. Uh, I'm doing a lot of mm. theater with the Braid, formerly known as the Jewish Woman's Theater. And mm. you can go to the dash braid.org to see the show I'm in right now, which is happening throughout the month of May. Oh, can I watch it online? You cannot watch it online. It's a theater. It's a live theater. Mm. Oh, well, there is going to be a Zoom show. So okay. if you go to the website, uh, you'll see the dates and there will be a Zoom performance. Cool. I probably will not post this for a few so months. Then so then you missed it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you missed it. Uh, or... I mean, there's always shows happening at the Braid that I'm a part of. I'm also writing my next solo show right now, which is going to be really funny and great, and I hope people can see that. But you can get that information at uh, thejoshuasilverstein.com. This concludes this week's programming. Joshua, thanks very much for talking to me about Invincible. My pleasure. And with that, we'll bring this episode of The Runs to a close. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about me and my work, my website is ohyesverynice.com. That's O-H-Y-E-S-V-E-R-Y-N-I-C-E.com. Also, I'm working on a comics biography of Muhammad Ali. You can learn more about this project at patreon.com slash ohyesverynice, where you can subscribe to both digital and print Editions. I can also be contacted at ohyesverynice at gmail.com. You can send me episode suggestions for the runs. And if you send me an email saying you heard about it on this podcast, I will send you a free digital copy of one of the chapters of the Ali comic. Home base for this podcast is theruns.blogspot.com, but it can also be downloaded or streamed on all platforms where podcasts are available. All the best ones. Please rate and review the show. And share this podcast on social media and, more importantly, in person. Thanks so much, and see you next time on The Runs.